ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد continuing with bulugh al-maram we are in the chapter of the khushu' regarding that concentration and focus that a person should have in the prayer, that humility and humbleness that a person should have whilst praying. And we were mentioning some of the ahadith in this chapter regarding some of the actions that a person should not do during the prayer or some of the actions that should be avoided in order that a person can keep his focus during the prayer. And we mentioned the hadith about the food, for example, that if the food is prepared and it is ready, and it just so happens that it's the time for the prayer as well, then a person should eat first so that he is not distracted by that food whilst praying. Uh, there was a narrations about uh, moving in the prayer, looking around and moving your body during the prayer. Again, something which takes away from the focus of a person. Uh, and that's where we left off after mentioning some of those ahadith. And now we were on the hadith of Anas, radiyallahu anhu qal, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا كان أحدكم في الصلاة فإنه يناجي ربه فلا يب فلا يبسقن بين يديه ولا عن يمينه ولكن عن شماله تحت قدمه متفق عليه وفي رواية أو تحت قدمه إن الحديث أنس رضي الله عنه he says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said if one of you is praying, when you are praying in the prayer, then you are calling upon Allah. When you're in the prayer, then you're calling upon Allah. You're making this dua, this supplication, this remembrance, this calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're praying. So a person should not spittle or spit in front of him or to his right. When a person is praying and calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you should not spit or do any spittle in front of you or to the right of you. Maybe a person sometimes has some saliva or some build-up or a cough, but you should not spit in front of you or to the right of you. But if that situation arises, somebody has something in his throat, and he needs to get it out, then do it to your left side below your foot. Do it to your left side below your foot, so that your foot can go over it and cover that spittle or whatever it is into the ground. That's what's mentioned in this hadith, which is agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And we'll come to the explanation of that now in more detail. So the beginning of it says, when one of you is praying, then, فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ then that person, he is calling upon Allah. He is addressing between himself and Allah. Making the dua between himself and Allah. The supplications, the recitations. All of that, the person is doing it between himself upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is calling upon Allah when he's doing that. Yunaji rabbahu ayyukhatibu rabbahu subhanahu wa ta'ala. Najwa hiya al-hadith al-khafi. And... When you're calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
then it's not done in a loud voice, with a raised voice, but it's done with, in a peaceful manner, in a serene manner. And in Arabic they say that najwa, this word which is used in the hadith, indicates speaking in a lowered voice. It indicates speaking in a lowered voice. Um, and that's mentioned in ayah, أَلَمْ يَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ سِرَّهُمْ وَنَجْوَاهُمْ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبَ Are they not aware that Allah knows their secrets and their najwahum, these secretive conversations that they have? وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبَ And that indeed Allah is all aware of all of the unseen and all of the affairs. فَالتَّنَاجِهُ وَالتَّحَدُّ خُفْيَةً بَيْنَ النَّاسِ so this tanaji, which is mentioned in the hadith, is speaking in a lowered voice between the people. And that's why it's mentioned in another hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا كُنْتُمْ ثَلَاثَ فَلَا يَتَنَاجَ ثَنَانِي دُونَ ثَالِثِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ يُحْزِنُ Hadith in Bukhari, a Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, if there are three people together, if there is three of you together, Three people sitting in a group, in a, in, a, in a car, in a group, somewhere. There's three people together. Then two of them should not go aside and speak amongst themselves and leave the third one out. There's three of you in that gathering. Two should not be whispering to each other and leave the third person out. Because that may cause the third person to have an ill feeling of the situation could cause the third person to have an ill feeling of the situation. That are these two speaking about me secretly? Or why are they excluding me from the conversation? Or are they even speaking about me? It will bring about suspicion or ill thoughts to the third one. If there are three in a group and two, they split off and they start speaking secretly and leave the third one out. That's all examples just to indicate the meaning of this word. إِذَا كَانَ أَحَدُكُمْ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ That when one of you is praying, then you are calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it says, فَلَا يَبْسُقَنَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ Then you should not spit or spittle in front of him or to the right. And that may occur that during the prayer, maybe somebody coughs, has some phlegm, has something else, some saliva buildup, etc., he may need to exit that from his mouth. It's possible it may occur. So if that situation arises, the hadith says he should not exit that in front of him, or even exit it from his mouth to the right of him. Neither of those should be done. Why? مِنْ إِجْلَالِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ أَنْ يَبْتَعِدَ الْمُصَلِّي عَنْ إِسَاءَةِ الْأَدَبِ فَلَا يَبْسُقَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ This is from your indication that you are indicating the greatness of Allah. We already mentioned in some other narrations that when you are praying, then Allah is in front of you. That doesn't mean that Allah is everywhere and Allah is amongst the creation and Allah is in every place. As some of the Sufis, they say, Allah is above the throne. Allah is the most high as we know. But there is no contradiction. We say that Allah is in front of you in the prayer, that He is close to you, listens to your dua, etc. That's okay. But we don't say that Allah is everywhere, and Allah is mixed in amongst the creation. Rather, Allah is separate from the creation, above all of the creation. 
But in the prayer it's mentioned that Allah is in that way close to you and answering your dua, etc. And it is as if you imagine, or that not that you imagine, but you consider and you understand rather. That you consider and you understand that Allah is in front of you whilst you pray. That you're calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as a consequence, therefore, you do not spit in front of you. As a consequence, therefore, you do not spit in front of you because it is as if now in front of you, you are addressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're calling upon Allah, you're making the dua. So you wouldn't spit in front of you. An example of that the scholars give, Sheikh Fawzan gives here. He says, in reality, if you were talking to somebody and he is standing in front of you, he is standing in front of you and you're talking to him. If you needed to spit, if you needed to spit, or you needed to exit something from your mouth or some phlegm or whatever it was, you wouldn't do it in front of you to the direction of the person you are talking to. You wouldn't do that. If you had to do it, you would do it to the side or behind you or somewhere else. You wouldn't do it right there in front towards the direction of the person you're speaking to. That's clear. Everybody understands that. So here the shaykh says like that in the prayer. You are now standing, facing the qibla, calling upon Allah. Then it's not of any respect for you to spit forwards in that direction. That wouldn't be correct whatsoever. That's why the hadith says, out of your honoring and your veneration of this station that you're in now, this state that you're in, that you're praying, and in front of you, you are calling upon Allah, facing the qibla, then you wouldn't spit or exit whatever is in your mouth and is exiting in front of you. So that's mentioned in the hadith, this should not be done due to this reason. And the shaykh says, in fact, So that you don't fall into ugly mannerisms and degradable mannerisms, which would be that, to spit in front of you in that instance. The shaykh says, if within another person, between yourself and another person, if you were to do that, that would be terrible manners. Then what therefore when you are standing facing the Qibla, calling upon Allah? That is even worse in terms of the uh, disgusting and ugly nature of that for somebody to spit in front of them, their place of prostration, the direction of the Qibla, calling upon Allah. And that is something clearly incorrect and has no honor within it. Uh, the Shaykh highlights that you must understand when we say that Allah is in front of you and you're praying, it is not to be understood that Allah is mixed in amongst the creation. That point should be clearly understood that Allah is above and separate from creation. And that is the aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah, that Allah is above His throne, above the creation. Unfortunately, many of the people of innovation, they uh, fail to understand that or they misinterpret it upon their deviations, and they begin to say that Allah is everywhere, and they bring about evidences that do not in reality prove that, but they think it proves that, and they hold the belief therefore that Allah is everywhere, and that is incorrect. Allah is above the throne, above the creation, uh, and that is the correct position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Um, then after that, then it says, فَلَا يَبْسُقَنَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ So a person should not spit forwards, and we've now understood the reason why. But then he also says in the hadith, وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ Neither do you exit whatever you need to exit from your mouth to the right-hand side either. Not to do it to the right-hand side either. And what's the reasoning for that? لِأَنَّ الَّذِي عَنْ يَمِينِهِ الْمَلَكِ الَّذِي يَكْتُبُ الْحَسَنَاتِ 
Because to the right of the person is the angel that writes down the good deeds. To the right of the person is the angel that writes down the good deeds. فَبِالتَّالِي فَإِنَّكَ لَوْ كُنْتَ خَارِجَ صَلَوَاتِ سَوَاءً كُنْتَ تَمْشِي أَوْ كُنْتَ جَالِسًا فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَنْبَغِي لَكَ أَنْ تَبْسُقَ أَمَامَكَ وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِكَ So the shaykh says, whether you are even outside of the prayer, this is about the prayer, even outside of the prayer, you shouldn't spit forwards or remove these items forwards or to the right hand side for these reasons. To the right hand side now as it's mentioned because the angel that writes down the good deeds is to the right hand side. As for doing it in the prayer, then it's even more important that you don't do that. It's of even greater importance and emphasis that you don't do it forwards or to the right in the prayer. And even outside of the prayer, it is still something that is not, uh, uh, something that is not to be done. To spit forwards or to the right or spit or remove that, uh, whatever it is that needs to be removed from the mouth in that way. وَإِنَّمَا تَبْسُقُ عَنْ يَسَارِكَ if you have to do that, the shaykh says, then you spit to your left, to your left-hand side. Because the left-hand side, as we have already come to know, and it's particularly mentioned in the chapter of purification, the left-hand side is the side that you use to clean the impurities. The right hand is used for the pure things. The right side, when making the ghusl, begin with the right side first. When making the wudu, you begin with your right sides first. That's why in the hadith it says, the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, كَانَ النَّبِيُّ وَسَلَّمْ يُحِبُّ التَّيَامٌ The Prophet ﷺ used to love to begin with the right side, because that is the honor and that is the good and pure things that are done with the right side. As for the left side, then that's what you use to clean yourself with, and to remove the impurities with. So that's why in this instance it's mentioned again, that if a person must do that, has to remove some spittle or spit, then do it to the left side. تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ Under his foot. يَعْنِي يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يُدْفَنُ الْبَسَاقِ The shaykh says the meaning of that is that it's befitting that if a person has to spit, not just to spit anywhere, but to spit down to his left side and then to put his foot over it. Put his shoe over it to bury that. To bury it into the ground. So that the traces of that are gone and it's not left upon the surface. A person has to do that, then to the left and under his foot, so that he can bury that under his foot. فكونه يبصق عن يساره أو تحت قدمه قالوا هذا إذا كان يصلي في غير المسجد. That's what a person should do. Therefore, if he's praying and he needs to remove some saliva or something from his mouth, not to spit forwards or to the right, but to the left, and then to cover that with his foot in order that it's buried into the ground. That is the shaykh says, if a person was praying in a situation outside of a masjid. In a masjid, if you're praying inside a masjid, then that is not possible. It's not possible for a person to spit on the carpets, or to remove the saliva or phlegm or whatever it may be, onto the carpet. That wouldn't be possible. So the shaykh says, هَذَا إِذَا كَانَ يُصَلِّ فِي غَيْرِ الْمَسْجِدِ This is if you're praying outside of a mosque. You're outside somewhere on a field or something, so you spit to the left and put your shoe over it, it goes into the ground. That's outside. But in a masjid, أَمَّا إِذَا كَانَ يُسَلِّ فِي الْمَسْجِدْ فَإِنَّهُ يَبْسُقُ فِي ثَوْبِهِ أَوْ فِي مِنْدِيلَ If you're in a masjid, then it's not possible to spit on the floor. Then in that case, the shaykh says, either do it into a handkerchief or tissue of some sort, 
And if you don't have any of that, and you must remove this saliva, etc. from your mouth, then do it into your clothing. Do it into your clothing, wrap the clothing up, and then after the prayer, you can go take care of it. But it's not possible to do it onto the masjid floor. And if you don't have any tissue or handkerchief or anything, then do it into the clothing, and then after the prayer, the clothing can be taken care of. That's what's mentioned if a person was in a masjid, to either do it in a handkerchief of some sort, or to do it in the clothing, and then to wrap up the clothing on top of it, and then after the prayer, that can be taken care of and cleaned, etc. And that's what the companions used to do. It's mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ and the companions, they used to do that sometimes, if it was needed to remove some saliva or something during the prayer, and it wasn't possible to split on the floor, and they had no other handkerchief, they would clean it with their clothing, their shirts, whatever, and then afterwards take care of that. That's mentioned in uh, Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that they used to do that. فَإِذَا كَانَ يُسَلِّي فِي مَسْجِدْ فَلَا يَبْسُقُ فِي أَرْضِيَّةِ الْمَسْجِدَ لَا عَنْ يَسَارِهِ وَلَا تَحْتَ قَدَمَيْهِ So if a person is in a mosque, then he don't spit on the floor at all. Not to the front, to the right, or even to the left under the foot. If you're in a masjid, that isn't to occur. In that instance, use the handkerchief, etc. And there is a narration al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that specifically actually prohibits spitting in a masjid. This isn't just a case of logically you wouldn't do that because of the carpet, etc. There's an actual narration that says do not spit in the masjid at all. And that is in al-Bukhari, a Muslim, once again, al-Bisaqu fil masjid khati'ah. Spitting in the masjid is a sin, it's an error. In al-Bukhari, a Muslim. وَرَأَى النَّبِي سَلَّمْ نُخَامَ فِي قِبْلَةِ الْمَسْجِدِ فَتَغَيَّرَ وَجْهُهُ سَلَّمْ ثُمَّ حَكَّهَا وَأَمَرَ أَنْ يُلْطَخُ مَكَانَهَا بِخُلُوقٍ مِنْ طِيبٍ And it's mentioned in some narrations that the Prophet saw some uh, what would exit from the nose and from the mouth, this type of material. He saw it on the floor and he became angry at that, or rather the hadith says that his face, his expression is changed, and then he, he, it was cleaned and fragrance was put on top of it. So that type of action within the masjid is clearly not correct to do. But the hadith is speaking about the situation if you were outside somewhere, then if you need to remove that saliva to the left and under the foot, so it gets buried into the ground. As for in the masjid, then in a handkerchief or on your clothing, and then afterwards that can be cleaned. ففي المساجد لا يصلح البساق وهو خطيئة ولكن إذا بدر الإنسان شيء من ذلك فليبسق في ثوبه أو يكون معه من ديل يبسق فيه ويحمله معه ويخرجه من المسجد. That's what the Sheikh says. Then you can do it in your clothing or in a handkerchief and then remove it from the masjid. The point of all of this then, this hadith is narrated in the chapter of khushu' the chapter of having that humility in the prayer. Clearly, it is not from the humility of the prayer for somebody to spit in front of them, or to spit to the right where the angel of good is writing the deeds of goodness. That isn't from the humility of the prayer. That isn't from the humbleness, the humility that a person has within the prayer, the submissiveness. So that is something that would go against the khushu' of a person. And so that is mentioned not to spit forwards or to the right, and if it must be done, then to the left, and to be covered into the ground. So it is not from the mannerisms and from the good behavior for somebody to spit in that way in front of him or to the right. Uh, and that is the reason why this hadith is mentioned in this chapter of khushu'. After that, also the hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu qal, kana qiramun li'aishata radiallahu anha satarat bihi janiba baytiha. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ أَمِيطِي عَنَّا قِرَامَكِ 
هذا فإنه لا تزال تصاويره تعرض لي في صلاتي رواه البخاري واتفق على حديثها في قصة أم بجانية أبي جهم وفيه فإنها ألهتني عن صلاتي This is another topic that's going to be discussed now all linked to this topic of khushu' in the prayer, concentration, focus, humility, subservience in the prayer. Here now Anas radiallahu anhu says that there used to be a gap in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha, like a window or a hole in the wall of the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. And that gap, that window, that hole was covered with a type of curtain. It was covered with a type of curtain. Uh, and the type of curtain it was covered with was what you may consider uh, a checkered curtain. Had lines on it and had some patterns on it. Had some lines and patterns, checkered perhaps to that type of description. It had some decorations on it, patterns and lines etc. And that was covering this hole or this uh, type of window in the wall of the house. So the Prophet ﷺ said, remove this cloth. Remove this curtain type of thing, which was covering that hole or that window. فَإِنَّهُ لَا تَزَالُ تَصَاوِيرُهُ تَعْرِضُ لِي فِي صَلَاتِي Because these patterns, these pictures on this cloth, this decorative type of cloth, the pictures and the patterns, they distract me in the prayer. These pictures and patterns, they, they distract me in the prayer. From the, the decoration of this cloth and the patterns and the pictures and the checkered nature of it, etc. Then these patterns, etc. They distract me in the prayer. So remove this cloth. That's a hadith in Bukhari. Also there's another narration. In fact, we'll come to the second one in a moment. So, كانت عائشة رضي الله عنها قد سترت سهوة لها في البيت يعني قوة سترتها بقرام والقرام هو كساء مخطط فيه خطوط ونقوش so there used to be this window type of hole in the side of the house of Aisha radiallahu anha, and she had covered it with this cloth which had lines on it and it had patterns on it, etc. And she, she had covered this window area with that cloth. So when the Prophet ﷺ used to pray, then these pictures and patterns, they would distract him in the prayer. These pictures and patterns of this cloth when praying, they would distract him in the prayer. So when he finished praying, he said to Aisha radiallahu anha, remove this patterned cloth. Remove this decorative type of cloth with the patterns on it. Then there is another narration here now in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, which is the story of Al-Ambijaniyyah. Al-Ambijaniyyah, this is an association to a particular uh, area, Ambijan, uh, which is in Sham, and it's known that Abu Jahm or Abu Juhaym radiallahu anhu, one of the companions, he on one occasion there's a story that he gave the Prophet sallam uh, a type of clothing, a type of garment, a cloak. He gave the Prophet sallam this type of cloak, this type of garment, the khamisa. He gave him this khamisa as it's known. And that is a type of garment which has patterns on it. It's a type of garment that isn't plain. It has patterns and uh, like decorations and patterns on this clothing. That's the type of cloth this is. 
So on this occasion, Abu Jahm or Abu Juhaym radiallahu anhu, he gave the Prophet ﷺ this gift of this cloak, which was this cloak with patterns on it, all types of patterns on this cloak, lines and other types of patterns. So when the Prophet ﷺ, he was given this as a gift, he wore it and he prayed. But as he was praying in this garment, with these patterns and lines and other things on this garment, then again, it distracted him in the prayer. These lines and patterns and all types of things on this garment that he was wearing, it distracted him in the prayer. So it's mentioned because obviously in the prayer then they were clear. If that's the type of clothing or cloak you're wearing with patterns and colors and other things, then in the prayer it was distracting him and his vision. So after the prayer it's mentioned that when he gave the salam, he said to some of them, take this cloak back to Abu Jahm. Or Abu Juhaym, radiallahu anhu. And bring an anbijaniyya instead. An anbijaniyya, that's another type of cloak which is plain. لِمَا فِيهَا مِنَ الرَّسُومَاتَ الَّتِي تُشْغِلُهُ عَنِ السَّلَاةِ وَالطَّلَبَ مِنْ أَبِي جَهَمْ أَنْ يُبَدِّلَهَا بِثَوْبٍ لَيْسَ فِي أَعْلَامٍ So he said to them, take it back to Abu Juhaym and ask him to give me another cloak, another cloak or garment which is plain. Doesn't have patterns and pictures on it. And the reason for that is because this was a gift to the Prophet. ﷺ. It was a gift that had been given to the Prophet. ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't want to return the gift and to uh, make it look as if he's rejecting the gift. So he said, instead, tell him to give me another one in place of it. Exchange it. I would rather have such and such. In order that it's not considered that this is a rejection of the gift. But the, the problem was this particular garment, it was distracting in the prayer. So he said, return it and ask him to give me a plain garment. Um, all of this then indicates what? All of this indicates that a person again needs to make sure that when he's praying, he's praying in an environment, a physical environment that is not going to distract him in the prayer. To the extent even the clothes that a person is wearing. Here you have the hadith, the clothes of the Prophet ﷺ distracted him because of the patterns and the colors, etc. So even to that extent that a person wears something that his eyesight isn't going to start focusing on the patterns and this and that and everything else. A person wears something plain, something clear, that isn't going to take his focus onto patterns and colors and lines and pictures. Even that is a distraction in the prayer that takes away from the full focus and the submissiveness and the humility in the prayer. So here you see the Prophet ﷺ on this example, he returned that cloak, which was a gift, and asked for a different cloak. One that was plain, so he could pray in it without being distracted. As for the previous narration of Aisha radiallahu anha, then that indicates similarly that the place where you pray, it should be something plain. Not to be praying towards a direction whereby in front of you there are all types of decorations and ornaments and other types of decorative things. To the extent that when you're praying, your eyesight is wandering and it becomes distracted by all of these decorative items and pieces and whatever else. Rather, it should be something plain where your eyesight is towards and your prostration is so that there are no distractions physically on the wall ahead of you. That's mentioned in the hadith of Aisha, radiallahu anha, that the Prophet was distracted by this type of curtain which had the patterns on it. And so he asked it, uh, for it to be removed for the colorful and patterned curtain to be removed, because when he was praying, that was causing a distraction. 
So all of this indicates that a person when he's praying, he needs to make sure that the physical environment he's in, the, the place where he is praying, the clothes that he's wearing even, nothing is going to be a distraction within those things. To the extent the Sheikh mentions, even the masjid, the masajid, they should be plain. They should be made plain and simple. Not as you see some of the masajid now, where they are full of decorations, full of decorations and here and there, and ayat of the Qur'an and a hadith, and Ya Rasulullah, and Ya this, and all over the walls are covered. To the extent now you even see some of these masakeen with Christmas lights inside, and Christmas tinsel inside. It's there, that's what they do. In their masajid, they have the Christmas tinsel that you open up and it's hanging on the walls. And they have the Christmas lights on the dome of the masjid and inside the masjid, flicking on and off in the masjid. This isn't correct. This isn't correct whatsoever to do this. The shaykh says the masajid, they should be kept simple, simple and plain. In order that when you pray, you're not distracted. Consider now somebody's praying and they've got Christmas lights flashing in front of their eyesight. It's incorrect. The khushu'ah is going to be clearly uh, uh, disturbed with that type of environment. So that's why the shaykh says the masajid, what is befitting is that they are kept simple, and particularly, particularly the direction where the prayer is going to occur, and that should be something simple, nowhere to distract you, no uh, 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 decorations or something where your eyesight may be distracted, but plain, should be plain and simple, you're not going to start focusing on things. So this is what's mentioned regarding... Uh, what a person should do in terms of the physical environment he is in when praying to make sure that the khushu' is not distracted by anything. The next narration of Jabir uh, ibn Samura radiallahu anhu qal قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لينتهينا أقوام يرفعون أبصارهم إلى السماء في الصلاة أو لا ترجع إليهم رواه مسلم. This is particularly important because of the great numbers of people who fall into this error. The great numbers of people who fall into this error, this hadith becomes extremely important to understand also. As with the remainder as we mentioned. In this hadith of Jabir ibn Samura radiallahu anhu, he says that the Prophet said that the people should stop Looking upwards when praying. With your eyesight. With your eyesight you should stop, not look upwards when praying. Where should the eyesight be? Down to where you're going to prostrate. Not to be looking up and around with the eyeballs. Or there's a threat in the hadith which says, a person who does that then perhaps he raises his eyesight and he might not get his eyesight back when he returns. A severe threat for a person who moves around his eyes in the prayer, looking here, looking there, looking left, looking right, looking forward, looking up. It's incorrect. In the prayer, a person should have his eyesight down to the ground. And in some narrations, it's mentioned forwards. If you're at the Kaaba, for example, there in front of the Kaaba, then the scholars, they say your eyesight can be directly at the Kaaba when praying. If you're at the Kaaba. Some of the scholars, they say, therefore the eyesight, according to some narrations, that your eyesight is directly at the Kaaba when praying. But otherwise here now, many of the scholars they mentioned, you look down to the place of prostration and you keep your eyesight there. Unlike what many of the people they do, praying and in the middle they start looking this way, and they look that way, and they look upwards, all of that is incorrect. 
And there's a severe threat here now for the one who does that, that maybe his eyesight will be taken away. So, So severe is this that the wording of the hadith itself indicates emphasis. The word in Arabic, This indicates emphasis. Because the لَيَنْتَهِيَنَّ It has a, 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 a presumed oath in there. It's like saying, by Allah, they have to stop looking with their eyes up and left and right and to the sky. It's, it's like an oath in the hadith. By Allah, they have to stop. لَيَنْتَهِيَنَّ um, That the people have to stop doing that, raising their eyesight up to the sky, looking around here and there. Uh, because of the severe danger which has been mentioned that their eyesight may not be returned to them if they do that. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. وَالْحِكْمَ فِي ذَلِكَ أَنَّ رَفْعِ الْبَصَرِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ تَنَافَ مَعَ الْخُشْعُوعِ And this is obvious. The wisdom behind that is that of course when a person, he has his eyesight focused downwards, and he's reading and he's concentrating, that is more focus, and more submissiveness and humility in the prayer with khushu' than a person who is praying and reciting, and he's looking here, and he's looking there, and he's looking at what he's doing down there, looking at what he's doing down there, and the focus and the concentration isn't there, the khushu' is clearly deficient. So a person doesn't move around like that with his eyesight, doesn't look here and look there, rather he looks down to the place of prostration, and that is something which will cause his khushu' to remain intact. After that, وَلَهُ عَنْ عَائِشَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ يَقُولُ لَا صَلَاةَ بِحَضْرَةِ طَعَامٍ وَلَا هُوَ يُدَافِعُهُ الْأَخْبَثَانِ In Sahih Muslim again, we have the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha now, which indicates another aspect that a person should be aware of, that they don't fall into, because if you do, then again it will be something that decreases the focus and the submissiveness in the prayer. And that is that Aisha radiallahu anha says that she heard the Prophet say, I heard the Prophet say, there is no prayer when food is present, that we've already covered, that when food comes and it happens to be the prayer time, then eat first if you're hungry. Eat first so that the distraction goes away from you, you're not thinking about the food, and you can focus on the prayer. Except if the food comes and you haven't prayed and it's the end of the prayer time. The prayer time is about to end. Then in that case, even if you're hungry, you have to pray first now. Otherwise the prayer time is going to go out. And then you eat your food. But otherwise, if there is time, there's enough time, and food comes and you're hungry, and it just coincidentally comes at the time of the prayer, then eat the food so that that doesn't distract you. That we covered already. But there's another section in this hadith. وَلَا هُوَ يُدَافِعُهُ الْأَخْبَثَانِ That a person should not pray whilst he is in need of going to the toilet. If a person needs to use the toilet, whichever that may be, whether it is only urine or it is the other type, then when a person requires to use the toilet, then he should not pray in that state. He should go and use the toilet and make the wudu and then come back and be able to focus. As for when an individual is in need of going to the toilet, then that is something that will clearly take away that person's focus. Um, so here now it mentions that if a person was in a state where he is in need of the toilet, فَالنَّبِي سَأَسَلَمْ نَهَا أَنْ يُسَلِّيَ وَهُوَ مَشْهُولٌ بِوُجُودِ أَحَدِ الْأَخْبَثَيْنِ أَوْ كِلَيْهِمَا The Prophet ﷺ forbade that a person should pray whilst he is thinking about needing to go to the toilet. Because he is in need at that moment to have to go to the toilet. 
So that person should not pray in that state because that will distract him. لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ يُشَوِّشُ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاتَهِ That will distract him from his prayer and cause uh, a disturbance in his prayer. وَلَا يَطْمَئِنَّ And a person will not be able to be tranquil in his prayer. If you're in need of going to the toilet and you need it quickly, then a person will be distracted. That's all he's thinking about. So this is something that will clearly not be uh, allowing a person to be peaceful and tranquil and serene in his prayer because he needs to use the toilet. So this indicates that a person has to avoid anything that is going to distract him in his prayer, including if that person was in the need of needing to go to the toilet, then he should go to the toilet, make the wudu again, and then pray peacefully and properly and focus, and not be concentrating or being distracted by the need to have to go to the toilet. To the extent, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, Imagine now a person, he has wudu. He has wudu. He went and made wudu with some water. And then he's gone out somewhere on a walk in the forest, for example. And the, he has a need to go to the toilet then. He has a need to go to the toilet and he needs to pray. In that instance, if he was to go to the toilet somewhere and use stones, etc. to clean himself with, but he can't find any water afterwards. So now afterwards he would have to make tayammum. So then what do you do in that situation? Pray with the wudu which you made on water, but be holding back the need to go to the toilet. But at least you pray with the wudu that you made with water. Or use the toilet, go and relieve yourself, but then afterwards there's no water. You're going to have to make tayammum and pray. Which of the two is better then? To pray having relieved yourself and then with khushu'ah, but with tayammum. Or to pray with your water wudu, uh, with the issue of the toilet needing to uh, uh, be done also. Which of the two is better? Uh, Shaykh al-Islam said, he said it's better that you uh, relieve yourself. Relieve yourself and then make the tayammum. Relieve yourself and make the tayammum. Because that's how you pray with khushu'ah. Otherwise, if you are trying to hold it back, then that will clearly be a major distraction in the prayer. So the scholars, they say in that instance, and Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned here, that you relieve yourself and make the tayammum if you have to then, if there's no water. Because at least then you pray properly with khushu' and focus, and you're not being distracted uh, by this issue uh, and disturbed by it. So this indicates that it is disliked. For a person to pray whilst he needs to use the toilet. It is disliked for a person to pray whilst he needs to use the toilet. And the reason being, uh, because that will distract him from the prayer. That doesn't mean that it's haram if a person needs to go to the toilet, but he still prays anyway. He thinks, I'll just pray. I don't want to have to go to the toilet and make wudu again. That's long. I'll just pray now and then I'll go to the toilet, whatever, afterwards. I won't have to make wudu, etc. again. So he just prays anyway whilst needing to use the toilet. The prayer is still correct. The prayer is still correct. But the reward will be deficient. Because his khushua will be deficient. Like we said at the beginning of this part, that a person prays, and he may only take a tenth of the reward of the prayer. So now if a person prays in that state, he needs to use the toilet, but out of laziness, whatever, he says, I'll just pray. I'll quickly pray, then I can use the toilet, then I won't have to make wudu again, etc. Okay, the prayer is correct, but it's deficient in reward. It's far better for him to just go and use the toilet, make the wudu and then be peaceful in the prayer. 
So that is something again that is mentioned regarding the khushu'ah in the prayer. Uh, similar to that, similar to that, that was using the toilet. If a person is in need of using the toilet, then he should go first, then pray. Similarly, if a person is in need of breaking wind, if a person recognizes that he is about to break wind, and he's in need of breaking wind, that's the same situation. A person shouldn't block that and pray, and during the prayer he's trying to block the breakage of wind. That is again the same situation, distracting you from the prayer. In that instance, the person allows the wind to break, then I make the wudu from fresh and pray peacefully. It's the same situation as what's mentioned in the hadith. Uh, the final narration in this chapter of khushu'a, the final aspect that is mentioned regarding khushu'a, this submissiveness, humility, focus in the prayer. An Abi Hurairah radiyallahu anhu, anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu narrates, and Abu Hurairah's name was, Abdurrahman ibn Sakhra Dawsi, as many of the scholars they say. There's differences of opinion. Many of the scholars they say Abdurrahman ibn Sakhra Dawsi, and it's mentioned that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu prayed the janazah of who? He prayed the janazah, he led the janazah upon who? Somebody famous, it's mentioned in Sirah that he led the janazah for that person. That can be the homework. To find out which from amongst the famous, famous companions did Abu Huraira lead the janaza? He led the janaza upon this famous, famous companion. Radiallahu anha. So find out who that was. So in this hadith, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says, Anna nabiya sallam qal, that the Prophet sallam said, At-tatha'ubu min ash-shaytan, fa'idha tatha'aba ahadukum fal-yakzim mastata'a. رواه مسلم والترمذي وزاد في الصلاة. He said that the Prophet said, yawning is from the shaitan. Yawning. Yawning is from the shaitan. So if one of you yawns, then try to suppress it as much as possible. If one of you yawns, then try to control it, suppress it, push it back as much as possible. Yawning is from the shaitan, so if one of you yawns, attempt to suppress it, hold it back as much as possible. Here then, the hadith speaks about the yawning. And this yawning, as Shaykh al-Fawzan says, لا يحصل إلا عند الكسل ومغالبة النوم والفطور. Yawning doesn't happen except as a consequence of laziness. When a person is in a lazy state, he will yawn. Or when a person is in a sleepy state, he will yawn. Or when he's in a state of tiredness and uh, fatigue, then he will yawn. So yawning occurs in those types of states. A state of laziness, a state of fatigue and tiredness, a state of sleepiness. They are the types of states when yawning occurs. فَإِذَا كَانَ الْإِنسَانُ عِنْدَهُ فُتُورُ وَكَاسَلْ فَإِنَّهُ يَتَسَلَّطُ عَلَيْهِ التَّثَاؤُبِ So when a person has this fatigue and laziness, then yawning overcomes him. وَقَدْ بَيَّنَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَّهُ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ And the Prophet ﷺ has clarified that this yawning is from the shaytan. أَيْ إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ هُوَ الَّذِي يُسَبِّبُ هَذَا الشَّيْءِ Meaning that it is the shaytan that causes this yawning to occur. This is from the shaytan that this yawning it occurs. 
وقد بين نعم ليثبته عن الطاعة أو ليثبته عن الطاعة in order that the shaitan can try to divert a person away from worship and to make the person even lazier from having to do worship فَإِذَا كَانَ الْإِنسَانِ يُسَلِّي وَعَرَضَ عَلَيْهِ التَّثَاؤُبِ فَإِنَّهُ يُعَالِجُهُ بِأَنْ يَقْضِمَ مَسْتَضَعَ So if a person is overcome by yawning, if a person is overcome by yawning, then he treats that how? By attempting to suppress it. If a yawn overcomes you, then attempt to suppress it. Attempt to hold it back. ذَلِكَ بِأَنْ يَضُمَّ شَفَتَيْهِ and he can do that by closing his lips to the best of his ability. When a yawn is about to come, he's about to yawn, he starts yawning, then suppress it by closing the lips, for example. And to place the hand upon the mouth. Uh, if a person doesn't do any of that, he doesn't try to close his lips, he doesn't try to put his hand over his mouth, then a person will yawn and the sound it comes out. Of a person yawning away, then this يؤثر على خشوعه. Then that don't doubt, that no doubt. If a person is in the prayer and then all of a sudden he yawns, and the sound of the yawn it comes out, that is something that clearly distracts the khushu of a person when praying. That is something that distracts the khushu of a person when he's praying, and it brings joy to the shaitan, brings joy to the shaitan that he has caused this person to cut off from his recitation that he was doing. To cut off temporarily from where he was in the prayer. To do his yawn and then to continue. So it makes the shaitan happy. Makes the shaitan happy and it causes the khushu' to decrease. And that is why it's obligatory upon a person to try his best to contain that yawning. To suppress that yawning. To put the hand over the mouth etc. فَإِنَّ بَعْضَ النَّاسِ يُخْرِجُ مِنْهُ أَثْنَاءُ التَّثَاءُبْ صَوْتٌ مُزْعِجٌ Some people the shaykh says they yawn and a... A very distracting noise comes out. You're praying now in the congregation and all of a sudden somebody in the congregation yawns with a loud noise. That's something that's clearly distracting and it disturbs the people. And the other people are, 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 are harmed by that. They are distracted and disturbed in their prayer by the sound of this individual. And there's no doubt that this has bad manners in it. That a person yawns like that, opens his mouth and yawns and the sound comes out. There's bad manners in that. It's befitting for a person what's upon him is to have manners with the other people amongst the people. And if that's the case, if it's the case that you should have manners amongst yourselves, that when you're amongst yourselves, you wouldn't sit there and open the mouth and yawn and make a sound. That wouldn't be good manners and good morals amongst the people, good behavior. So what therefore when a person is in prayer, addressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's even worse in the mannerisms. It's of bad manners and bad morals and bad behavior for a person to be yawning with a loud sound and an open mouth and he's supposed to be in the prayer addressing Allah, making the supplication and the dua. So it's not befitting for a person to do that. And if a person yawns and that's from the shaitan, a person should attempt to uh, restrict that and to suppress that yawning if it occurs. So that is the final aspect that is mentioned from the different types of actions that could cause the khushu' to decrease 
And so if a person, when he prays, he needs to keep all of these things in mind. Nowadays, the people, most of these things, it's the first time they ever think about them. First time they ever think that maybe even the clothes that I wear shouldn't have any patterns on them so that my eyes aren't distracted. When a person is, even the carpet, even the carpet, praying on a decorative carpet with flowers and patterns. And if a person is praying, then his focus starts to fall on these lines and where the patterns are going, where the flowers are going. That's a distraction in the khushu'a. person should pray on some ground which is plain, not on uh, some decorative carpet where the eyesight is going to be distracted. All of these things are mentioned in order that a person can maintain a high level of focus and humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during that prayer. So that is the end of the chapter regarding the issues linked to the khushu'a. And from next lesson, insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll begin on the chapter regarding the masajid, the rules and the regulations and the sunnah, which has mentioned or which has been mentioned regarding or pertaining to the masajid. How does a person behave when in a masjid? What are the mannerisms of a Muslim when he enters a masjid? What are the rights of the masjid? All of these issues regarding the masajid, the rights of the masajid and the behavior of a Muslim in a masjid, all of that insha'Allah ta'ala will start from next lesson uh, insha'Allah in two weeks. So we'll conclude upon that now. After that chapter, once we finish the chapter regarding the rules of the masjid, then after that will be the actual prayer. How do you actually properly pray? The conditions, the, the, the pillars, the wajibat, the, the actions, how to do everything properly. The actual prayer will be the topic after this. This is the final introductory topic coming onto that. Then we will go into the actual prayer itself. How to do and what to do and when to do. Inshallah. I have a question. Um, you can't look up during prayer. You also can't look down if you're making du'a. So what about du'a al-kunut? Looking down, when you're making the du'a, like you said, some of the scholars, they say you can look forwards. It's mentioned, there are narrations about looking forwards. Some of the scholars, they used to mention that in the prayer, you look forward, just forward. So it's possible that you don't have to look right down to the ground, you could just look to the forward direction. Or especially if you're raising your hands and you look towards your hands. Any prohibition in regards to uh, closing your eyes and praying? It's um, the scholars. They say it's makruh. It's disliked for a person to close his eyes during the prayer. People will say, "What's the problem with that? That brings me more khushu'a. Brings me extra khushu'a when I close my eyes and pray." But like we say, our religion all the time it's Quran and Sunnah with the evidences. How the Prophet prayed: yusalli, Pray as you have seen me pray. And it was not from the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ to close his eyes during the prayer and pray. Neither was it from the prayer of the companions to close their eyes during the prayer and pray. So we don't close the eyes. Rather what's mentioned is to look down at the place of prostration. So the scholar, Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih, he said it's makruh for a person to close his eyes during the prayer and pray. Burping, you're right. That's exactly what... Uh, if yawning is something that is of bad manners, then what therefore of burping? Burping is, is the same, same rulings to it. 
that you wouldn't do the burp in that way because of the uh, the way it would distract the other people in the prayer, the disturbance it would cause to your own khushu and the khushu of the other people in the prayer, the ill mannerism within doing that amongst people you wouldn't do it, let alone in the prayer when you're calling upon Allah. So the same ruling is applied to that, that it's not something that should be done, you should restrict yourself from doing that. And that is easier to restrict yourself than yawning. No, this was a situation where you don't have any water. And this was an example of where you don't have any water. And the scholars have said, if you need to use the toilet, then just use it. And make tayyamum if you have to. Then at least you can pray with focus. If you had water, you'd use the water. Yeah, if you had the water, then you use the use the water. Do you suppress yawning only in the prayer? No, anytime. The suppression of the yawning is at any time. Because like we said, the yawning is from the shaitan. So at any time when a person yawns, you should attempt to suppress that yawning. At any time. But it's even more important in the prayer. Because of the focus in the prayer, the khushu in the prayer, you're calling upon Allah. But at any time, even outside of the prayer, a person should restrict himself from yawning. Same question twice. Yawning outside of the prayer, outside of the prayer too. Person should try to restrict themselves from yawning outside the prayer too. What's the ruling on praying on prayer mats that have pictures of the Kaaba on them, etc.? Uh, using prayer mats, some people seem to think that even in your home and your brand new carpet that you hoover every day. You still have to put a prayer mat down to pray on top. Because the carpet is somehow impure. The reality is that's not the case. The, the, the hadith says, The whole of this earth has been made a masjid for me. And we mentioned in the previous hadith, some of the exceptions of where you don't pray. But otherwise it's pure. Your carpet at home is pure. Uh, generally speaking it's pure. Unless impurities are falling onto it. Otherwise it's pure. This carpet is pure. Outside the, the car park is pure. All of that is pure. It's a mistake when people think that it's bad manners to pray on the carpet that you're normally walking on. You need to put a mat down on top. That's incorrect. There's, there, there's no uh, uh, bad mannerisms in that. That's a pure place to pray upon. The condition of the prayer is pray somewhere pure. Your carpet at home that you clean and you keep clean and uh, free of impurities is pure. There's no harm in praying on that directly. So it's a mistake. Firstly, we should mention that people seem to think it's an obligation and that it's wrong if you don't pray on a prayer mat. That's not the case. On top of the fact here now, prayer mats that have all of these pictures on them of the Kaaba and Masjid al-Nabawi and all these patterns, then really you could say it's the same as what we mentioned in the hadith. If a person's praying there now, then your focus goes on to those pictures. It goes on to the picture here, and then to the right you have al-Masjid al-Nabawi, to the left you have the Kaaba, and maybe they have the minaret there. All these pictures there now, your focus is going here and there on those pictures. Again, that's the same as what was mentioned about the hadith. The curtain which was distracting because of the patterns and the pictures. <coughs> so again, that would be something that you would say in accordance to these types of narrations. It's not something good to do because you are going to become distracted. Because of those clear pictures and patterns, etc. It's better to pray on something plain. 
a plain uh, area in the home, if you're praying at home, or in the masajid, to have a plain type of carpet. That's the better place to pray, not to pray on anything that's going to distract your attention. This last one about the uh, clothing of the women, inshallah, we'll come back to next time. Uh, so we'll conclude upon that point.